Isn't it amazing how we can come here today, and I think most of us have pretty heavy hearts here this morning, and isn't it interesting that we can come here and still rejoice and praise our God because, because of that provision of his love that was extended to us, uh, we, can, we can celebrate in the midst of what the world would call hopelessness and despair. We've, uh, for those of you who may not know, um, there's two people missing here this morning. Some of the most faithful people that I've ever known to this church. Miss Evelyn Creswell went home to be with the Lord. And then about four hours later, Mr. Dole Hatfield went home to be with the Lord this past week. And, uh, and I tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something when you've been around for as long as we have. And been, we've been around here a long time. And many of you have been around here longer than I have. And to watch them come into our fellowship and just serve and do all that they've done. And, and uh, our hearts are heavy here this morning. And I think I saw June here earlier uh, let's pray for these two families. Pray for Keith and also June. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just come to you now. We just, uh, Lord, we're in all of who you are. Lord, as we sing these songs of your love and we sing these songs of your provision and, and how great you are, Lord, we can, we can come here and confident, confidently make these statements and, and songs of praise and worship to you because we know you're the one that gives life. You're not only the one that gives life, you, you're the one that, that sees us through death. And, and Father, as we look to those that have gone this past week to, with you, Father, we, we thank you that they had a testimony of knowing you. And Father, we, uh, we stand here confident knowing that according to your word, to be absent from the body is to be present with you. And that's the reason we can rejoice here today. Thank you for your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Amen. And now some see how God's work. Look at the series introduction. We're beginning a new series this morning. And uh, we've entitled it 101080. And some of you, when you think of those numbers, especially this time of year, you're thinking fertilizer, right? Uh, well, we're not talking about that this morning. Uh, we're talking about something as it relates to your finances. Now, some of you may be sitting here today. It's like, okay, well, he just got through talking about family. I'm, yeah, yeah. Now he's talking about money. And, and for those of you who don't normally show up around here, maybe this is your first time, or maybe uh, we don't talk about money around here all the time. I promise you we don't. But I want us to look at a series of messages over the next three weeks that I believe will be very practical, but will also demonstrate and show you that the Bible has much to say about giving, about finances, about our budgets, about our investing. It has tons of things as it relates to it. So, so look at your outline there. 101080 are called by many the numerical financial starting points. Now, the reason I say starting points is I believe that when you look at this whole idea of 10, 10, 80, you're looking at 10% giving, 10% saving or investing, and 80% living upon. Now, I believe those are starting points. I think for many of you sitting here this morning, you may say, well, now, wait a second. Uh, the giving part, maybe a zero. The investing, maybe 10% because I have a 401k or I have this. Or maybe you're living off the 401k or a pension or whatever. And then you have the 80% and all that kind of thing. Now, I think your goal when it looks at, you say, okay, where, where should I align myself? I believe your goal should be 10, 10, 80. But I don't think it, I think it just starts there. 
I think the thing that you'll see as you begin to give is you'll begin to see how God has blessed you and you'll want to up that. You'll want to say, you know something, God, you've blessed me so much and I begin to see how this giving thing really works and I can't get enough of giving and I just want to continue to give to your work and your causes and those things that are close to your heart. And then you have that whole idea of investing. I think most investors will tell you that if you, you're looking to the, to the future of whether your children are going to school or whether you're going to retire or whatever, uh, the minimum you should really be putting away is 15%. And the Bible talks about investing. And so when you put all that together, you're saying, well, wait a second, now you're saying they live off 70%. Yeah, you can do it. I know people do that. Matter of fact, I can introduce you to people who give away half their income. Yeah, they're out there. I know some of them. And it's interesting as we look into our lives, we see that when you look at the financial aspects of our lives, it reveals so much about us. It really does. Matter of fact, Jesus said that it will reveal a lot about you. And so if you look there, Dave Ramsey says, you must make your money behave because left to its own, it will never go in the right direction. How many of you are living proof that that's the case? Yeah. It never goes where, I mean, if you got to be determined. So therefore, you must be intentional with your finances, which brings up what we call the B words. Now, most of you don't, B word, what are y'all talking about? Look on your outline. A budget tells your money where to go. It gives a plan for you and your family's future. God's word, as I said, has much to say about finances, especially as it relates to giving and investing. And some of you, listen, in the, the three weeks that I have to share this with you, and we're going to break it down. Today, we're looking at giving. Next week, we're looking at investing. And then after that, the whole idea of living and how that should look. But here's what I want you to understand. We can't cover all that in the, in the practical way that you need. So we're going to be offering something called financial peace. Many in this room have taken it in the past. If you've never taken it, I'm just going to tell you, it can revolutionize the way you look at your finances. It did for myself and my family, mine and Tina's view of finances. I mean, it, it, it was deliverance for us <laughs> to understand some of the simple pr principles that go along with that. And so we're going to be offering that starting the week of the 18th on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Wednesday nights at 6.30. And so if you want to be a part of that, you can go to the iDesk or go to the website to, to sign up for that. But I just want to let you know, we're going to give you some practical stuff and I'm going to give you some highly biblical oriented things as it relates to these subject matters. So today we're looking at giving 10. Look at the introduction for today. Giving comes from a heart of generosity. One of our culture values here at Pleasant City Church. We believe that the heart of a true believer is moved with generosity when they are touched by the grace and generosity of Jesus' provision of salvation. And really, that's what we just sang about. That's what that video was about. When you think about our giving, our giving is much more than finances. Our giving can be worship. Our giving can be our time that we set aside for someone. It may be in our service and, and those things, or it may be just the words that we choose to invest in other people's lives to encourage them. But there's all kinds of platforms of giving. Now listen to this. Generosity must be developed in a person. You don't all of a sudden wake up and say, I think I'm just going to start giving everything I have. <laughs> no, there's, a, there's something that develops in a person. 
They're, and generosity is one of those things that, that just is at the core of a person. And they begin to give. Now, you may say, well, now, not all of us have that, right? I mean, because one of the spiritual gifts is giving, right? No, I think we all are called to have a heart of generosity. Listen, you've heard this statement before. You've heard me say it. You're never more like Jesus than when you give. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave. How, what did he give? His, his prized possession, his son. And so when you look at this whole idea of the fact that when we worship God, from that springs forth, or from that is there's a reaction to give of ourselves. To give of ourselves. Now, as I said, we can give of our time. By the way, who gives us our time? God. He numbers our days. How about our service? He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us abilities to go out and make a living. And so as a result of that, we need to honor him, as the Bible says, with our first possessions. How about this? Resources. We do have finances. That God has blessed us. We are, we are rich. If you don't believe me, go to other countries in the world. We're very rich. And so let's look at some things. What are the benefits of giving? What's the benefit of being generous? First of all, it brings joy. It brings joy. There is nothing greater than giving. Just as eating healthy helps prevent physical illness, giving and a heart of generosity helps prevent mental illness. An emotional illness. Matter of fact, Paul says it this way. Acts chapter 20, here's what he was saying. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. That means you need to be aware of the needs of those around you. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than what? Than to receive. Uh, listen, when you start developing a heart of generosity, you, you'll be amazed at what giving feels like. It's one of those things where you almost get to the point where you can't wait to give. And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about in anything. I'm not, I'm not just talking about finances either. I'm talking about a kind word. I'm talking about an encouraging word. I'm talking about serving his kingdom, giving back. Secular studies, notice I said secular. Secular studies find these health benefits associated with a generous heart or giving. Lower blood pressure, how many of you could use a little of that? Okay, less depression, lower stress levels, longer life, greater fulfillment and happiness in life. This all goes into building emotional health. This all goes in. These are the benefits that are spelled out by secular, those who work in the secular field. And yet Jesus said, you know something? I'm just gonna tell you, it's much more healthy to give than receive. What happens when we begin to receive? What happens when all of a sudden our, 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 uh, what we receive is, is giving and it's more and more and, and all of a sudden sometimes we develop a heart of not wanting to lose what we've gained? And then all of a sudden, we compare, you, you, ever, you ever had that? Some of you came from nothing. I know, I've heard your stories. And then all of a sudden, you got a little wealth under you, and you got something. And then all of a sudden, you go from being so glad, I'm not living like I used to, but what if I lose it all? <laughs> and there's something about that. And, and it's that heart of giving. It's that realizing you can't outgive God. 
Here it is. What are the benefits of giving or generosity? Number, number two, it strengthens and authenticates faith. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter three, we know this part of the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, so lean not on your own understanding. When he says, trust the Lord with all your heart, he's talking about every area of your life. He's literally saying, lay your life before God, every area of it, not holding anything back. You just put it out there. Just trust him with your life. And then a little bit further down in verse nine, he says this, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, how many of you have ever been in this part in your life when your finances didn't make any sense? When, when God would prompt something on your heart and you gave it and you just weren't sure how you were gonna pull that off when you gave it and, and God said, just do it. And you did it. It didn't make sense on paper, but somehow God came through. Are there any testimonies in the room like that? Yeah. There's several. You know what I'm talking about. And it's that whole idea of God revealing himself. I've, I've found this. One of the greatest ways God has revealed himself has been in the area of finances. I wasn't always obedient in that area. You've heard my testimony. I wasn't always obedient in that area. The, for, the pastor before me, the one I worked with, he called me on it one day. I didn't like him for a long time after that. I'll be honest with you. But you know something? It motivated me to do what God called me to do. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that someone confronted Goliath. I'm glad that someone confronted me with that, like I'm confronting you about it this morning. Because now I'm on the other side of it. I am understanding that it is more blessed to give than receive. And so you have this whole idea. Listen to this. When we align ourselves with the Word of God, God has a platform to bless us. And that's what God wants to do. I believe that we serve a God that's waiting to bless us. And there are certain ways that he says, I'm going to bless you. And one of those ways is through our giving, through giving ourselves, through giving of what he's blessed us with. Look at James chapter two. You're talking about faith being authenticated. Look at what it says. It says in James chapter two, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? The terminology here is can faith save him alone? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you not, do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, it does, listen, if it does not have works, what does it say? It's dead. It's dead. The part of our faith, and I'll be honest with you, how many of you can sit here today and say, you know something? I feel confident that my faith has been authenticated. I feel that my faith is real. I feel like that this is just something. How many of you can sit here and say, I'm, I've seen it. I've seen it authenticated because I've done what God's asked me to do. And I've, I've been in that position where I've given him the platform to bless me because I'm, I'm trying to be faithful in what he calls me to be. This is what this is saying. Faith, listen, is always strengthened and authenticated through works, through doing what he's asked you to do. Next, what are the benefits of giving or generosity? It's an antidote to materialism. I always, anytime I preach on something like this, I always put that statement in, in, in this because it's so important. We live in a materialistic society and a society that is driven by materialism. 
in, in all its commercials and all that it does, it's saying, you need this in your life to feel fulfilled. You need this in your life to, to have the joys that everyone else is having. You need this in your life because if you don't, you're going to be missing out on something. How many of you heard a message just like that last week? That's how everything is pitched to us. But the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 6, in what I believe is the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You see, a lot of people are living in such a way that, that they're living not out of freedom, not out of this attitude of just wanting to bless. They're living out of this fear of never having enough of wanting more and, and trying to be driven by what this world could. Listen, you've heard me say this before, but you buy a new car, you crank that mug up, you sign the bill or, or, what it's, or whatever to transfer ownership or whatever. You drive it off the lot, 30% gone just like that. How many of you going to go buy a new car this week? How many of you are convinced you it's not working? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What I'm trying to get you to see is we need to realize that what we're putting so much emphasis on and what we're trying to do here is all coming to nothing. And there's nothing wrong with having certain things. If you can afford a new car, go for it. But make sure that you're also allotting certain things in your life where you're just not trying to keep up with everybody or you're, not, you're buying in all the messages of materialism and that you are someone who, who has come to realize it is okay to hold some back because it's more blessed to give than receive. He goes up on, he says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the, here, here it is. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're sitting here today, and the only thing you think about when it comes to finances is, man, I sure hope I can keep this. Boy, I, I sure hope the market don't do a downturn. I'll lose it all. And, and you're sitting there. And now, listen, I understand that. My retirement is, is based on like a 401k type thing. And I understand that. And sometimes I look at those indicators out there and I see this thing tanking at times and I see it growing at times. And, and it does. <laughs> I understand that. But if we're driven and we're so afraid of what we're going to lose that we can't give, we've totally missed what this life's all about. This life is not all about getting it's also about giving. Now, does God want to give to you in, in the fact that you can get? Yes. But if we're not giving from it and we're not moving through it, then we're not, get, we're not giving, I mean, in a way that he desires us to give. So this morning, where, where's your heart this morning? Next, what are the benefits of giving or generosity? It can be an eternal investment. You think about all the things we try to do to get the best investments. And just this past week, I was talking to someone about how someone gave them this advice about this investment. And boy, I tell you, that thing has produced. And I'm so glad they told me about this. And, and then another one said this. And you ought to do this over here. And, and, and I hear all that. But, you know, that same person who's standing there telling me this today, two months from now, could be crying. Do you realize that? That's the kind of world we live in. It's so uncertain. But what if I told you there is a way that you can give where there's eternal value to what you've done? It's in giving. It's eternal. 
There's not a better investment. Uh, listen, 1 Timothy chapter 6, look here. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You know what it literally means? It's, it literally means the better things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves what? A good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You know what this is saying? It's not saying, hey, you give to get eternal life. This statement is basically saying you give to, to, for a greater joy in eternal life. I'm convinced that those who are free givers, who just trust God, when they get to heaven, they're going to be seeing all kinds of investments sitting there. I really believe that. Maybe they gave of their time. Maybe they gave of their service. Maybe they did give of their finances. And I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to say, hey, here's, here's the investment. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. And that's what he's saying here. How about this question? Why should you give? Why should you be generous? Much of our dysfunction comes, when it comes to this idea, comes from improper views of our finances. As I said, life is not about getting, it's about giving. Many of you in this room, you know this, but you're not positioned in your finances to do it. I remember, and I'll tell you this, for years, I had a heart that wanted to give. I did. But I'll be honest with you, how many of you ever heard of debt? Yeah, bound up as tight as you can be in that situation where it's like, I, I don't, I'm rubbing nickels together. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you were robbing Peter to pay Paul? I've been there. We've all been there at some point, I would guarantee you. But the thing I want you to understand is the fact that we, we, we're, we're missing out when we're not able to give. God's commandments are there, listen, to help you and not keep you from something. It's healthy to give. Let me tell you one even better. It's freeing when we give. It frees us up. There's nothing greater. There are many benefits to giving. Can, let me tell you about this church. The vision of this church is to be about the things that matter to God. Now, have we perfectly gotten there yet? No, we, we're not perfectly there yet. But I will tell you this. When it comes to the giving, when you give to this church, you're giving to the causes that are close to God's heart. And one thing that we do when we put together the finances of this church and the budget for this church and, and we seek to find those ministries out there to, that we support as a church. And our church, listen, everything you give, 12.5% of it goes back into missions. It goes into missions. Our church not only tries to tithe what it receives, it goes beyond that. And then it even goes further than that when people give outside of the giving of our budget and start investing in other people and sending other people on mission. And here's what I want you to understand about that. We try, when we put the budget together, we try to look for those causes that are close to the heart of God. Giving to the poor. Helping those who are destitute as much as we possibly can. Not, not, not where they dep are dependent upon us, but where we can just meet needs. Uh, we, we attempt to, we know the, the message of the gospel is important to the heart of God. So most of our giving goes to make that known. Another thing that we believe is close to the heart of God is protecting the innocent. 
We're a pro-life church. We believe in the, in the whole cause of getting out there and, and, and helping young mothers to make the right decision when it comes to their unborn child and helping them. And those are the things that we are convinced that are close to the heart of God, getting the word out. Why should you give? Why should you be generous? It's commanded by God. Y'all, it's not a suggestion. It's not one of the things where, well, when you get a little extra money, how about sending a little bit my way? That's not God taught there. God said, give it from your first fruits, Amen. from your first possessions. Look at what he says in 3.10, Malachi 3.10. Look at this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. You know what he means by food? That the needs can be met in the community, that the needs of the church can be, be met. The word storehouse there, if you go back and you study the terminology, it's talking about bringing it to a central location that things may be distributed in such a way to help. That's the terminology here. Today, the church would be the storehouse. So the first part of what I earned, not the leftovers, not the afterthoughts, Many are, listen, here's what the problem that many people have. Many are adjusting their life to keep up with their standard of living. And so what happens? I've, we all fall in this trap. We have to intentionally not fall in this. What happens? We get a raise. What do we think? Maybe we can't afford the new car. Maybe the lake doesn't look too far off. <laughs> Maybe we can get the boat. Maybe we can do this. And, and so what happens is, even though we have everything, even though we may have that desire to give and we go and get more and more and more and more without any thought of, why, why did God bless us this way? <laughs> I believe it's possibly to give. Listen to this. Charity, charity or giving goes down as people make more money on the percentage let me tell you one cute little story here. I don't know who gives what in this church. I know what I give. I know what I give, and that's about it. But let me tell you one thing. How many of you remember when Social Security checks came out the first of the month? All of them. Now they spread them out. Am I right? I, I don't know. I think, I think I've heard that. I can tell you it happened. Let me tell you how I know. The first part of the month here at Putnam, uh, for years, the biggest week of giving in the whole month was the first part of the month. And you know why? And by the way, do you, do, you, do you have a pretty handsome income when you were on Social Security? Nope. <laughs> but you know what was always the biggest week? After Social Security checks came out. And I'm telling you, there's people that know. Here, here's the way they think. I'm just telling you, this is the way some people think. This ain't mine, this is God's. And they hand it right off and they say, this is it. Listen, I'm not just talking about this year. I, I'm talking about give wherever you go to church. I'm not talking about just this year. I'm talking about anywhere. This, this is the type of giving that God demonstrates that he wants to be faithful to you in. So when you look at the tithe, what is the tithe? It literally means one-tenth. Yet most Christians on average give less than 2.5%. Now, some of you say, well, now, wait a minute, preacher, tithe. Sounds Old Testament to me. Sounds like it's part of the law. Yeah, I can get that. But let me ask you a question. We live in an age of grace, don't we? So would you, what do you think more giving would come from, law or grace? I think grace. But let me tell you something about the tithe. It predates the law. 
If you go look in, in Genesis chapter 14, guess who paid tithes in Genesis chapter 14? Abraham. Generations later, before Moses shows up with the law, you, you go on down to Genesis chapter 28, and Jacob pays the tithes. Jesus even promoted tithing when he came on the scene. And then there's something called the offering. Wait a minute, tenth's not enough? Tenth's not enough when it comes to what type of giving my family gives. You go on, you start looking at this whole idea of the offering. What's the offering all about? Well, let me tell you what I do. You can do however you feel free to do it or whatever. The way we do an offering is if we happen to get money in that we didn't expect in some way or fashion. And sometimes we do that with the weekly stuff, but many times it really shows out there. And we'll give, and we'll give to those things that are not only close to the heart of God, but something that God's really pressed upon us specifically to do. And that's the way we handle it. Now, why should you give? Why should you be generous? It gives God the opportunity to bless you. Now, Malachi 3.10, let's read the whole verse. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And, and here's what he says. Try me now in this. You know what he literally says? Put me to the test. See if I won't come through when you're faithful in this area. That's what he's saying. Try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be enough room to receive it. So you mean if I get this tithing thing right, you're saying the lake, there's potential for the lake house, right? You're saying that, you know, you, you know I always wanted a, a, a place at Ocean Lakes at Myrtle Beach because it seems like everybody in Shelby has a place at Ocean Lakes in, in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> You're saying that's possible then. No, that's not, that's not exactly what I'm saying. But I will tell you, God will bless. God will bless. Next, how should you give? Second, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Some of you are like, finally, you're telling me to turn somewhere in the Bible. Well, I've given you a lot of verses, okay? We're going to look at this carefully. The Bible has much to say about giving. Listen to this while you turn. This may blow your mind. We are commanded, listen, 121 times to pray, 160 times to believe, 551 times to love, and 908 times to give. Why would he put so much emphasis on giving? Why would he do that? Because of this. Loving money and what it can purchase many times makes people forget about God. How many of you know someone like that? Man, they used to be faithful. They were into church. They wanted their, church, they wanted their children to be equipped by the church. They believed in what the church was doing. They believed in supporting the church. They believed in serving in the church. And then all of a sudden, all these new opportunities opened up. The boat became a possibility. Sunday mornings on the lake is where we now do church. You ever heard anybody like that? Oh, we get out there, we pray. We pray and we thank God for the boat. We lay hands on the boat. We thank Jesus for the boat. My children, they just, man, they just, they just love the boat so much. And they, just, they feel so close to God when they're able to sit on that boat and jump into the water. And we, we reach down and bring our children back into the boat. And man, it's such a wonderful worship experience. 
I've never had a boat. Does that really happen? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've always heard the best two days I have a boat, right? When you get it and when you sell it, right? That's the reason I don't have a boat. It terrifies me to hear your stories. But anyway, and I'm not picking on you if you have a boat. You're here, right? You're doing it to Jesus' way if you're here. No, I'm kidding. But, but here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to understand. We've got to be careful when it comes with God's expectations of what he's blessed us with. So how do we give? Number one, generously, generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. You know what's going on here? Macedonians, it's a whole region of churches, third world country. If you'd go back to that day and time and find out, okay, tell me a little bit about the Macedonians and that region of, the, uh, of that area up there. Third world country is what you'd find. Do you talk about extreme poverty? These were people giving out of extreme poverty. Listen, raising money to send to Jerusalem, which by far was not a third world country if in, by any estimation. Now, there were heavy and great needs there. I will tell you that if you go do this, the historical research. But let me just tell you this. It would be like me going to Nepal. This is, this is a fair estimate of this. And Abraham saying, man, over here in the fisherman's village, if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about mud huts. I'm talking about nothing. I'm talking about kids out there. The best toys they have are sticks and rocks. I'm talking about Nothing. It would be like Abraham saying, hey, the church is in the fisherman's village. They've raised an offering. They want you to take it back to America, to America and they want you to give to the poor out of this. Our poor are much more wealthy than their poor. Trust me. And you know what? That's what it would look like. And Paul was almost embarrassed by the fact they were giving like they were giving. It was almost like he was saying, no, 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 no. I was just trying to make a need known. No, 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 no one expects you to give to this. But what does it say? It says they implored us much, saying, give us an opportunity to give. We want to see what God can do. That's exactly the language that you find here. Here's another one. How should you give? Worshipfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And not only that, as we hoped, but they gave of themselves first to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So what did they do? Before they gave their gift, they gave themselves. Gave themselves. Matter of fact, Jesus had something to say about that. Summer on the Mount, Jesus said, listen, if you got a brother or sister, or it says brother, and they have ill will towards you or there's a problem between you, how about you do this? Hold on to that gift for now. You go give yourself to this situation over here. You make that right. And then when you come and give that gift, you can give it out of such a pure heart that, man, God's going to receive it in either, even in a greater way because it will be true worship at that moment. That's what he's saying. We're kind of running out of time. I'm not going to go any further. I'm going to, I'm going to finish this next week, okay? Don't worry about your blanks. They'll be, they'll be okay. But I don't want to rush the next part of this because this is where it gets good. And I just want to ask you a simple question this morning. Where are you when it comes to your finances? I want to skip to the application. I do want to cover that. Do you desire to be a generous person? Do you desire, listen, have the same heart as God. He's a generous God. 
Number two, what is keeping you from being a generous person? What's the hang-up? What is it? Are, are you in debt so much that you can't, you don't know up or down? I understand that. I've been there. But listen, until you start doing it God's way, there's not going to be any up. <laughs> you got to do it God's way. And that's the lesson I had to learn the hard way. How about this? What is your plan for becoming a generous person? What's your plan? How are you going to get there? I want to ask you to stand to your feet, please. We're getting ready to have a hymn of invitation. And I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're standing here today and you're like, you know something? I came in here today. I I'm looking for encouraging words and he's preaching on giving. Oh, man, I picked the wrong Sunday. No, actually, let me just say this. Based on my experience, you picked the right Sunday. And y'all, I promise you with all my heart, my motivation in giving you this message this morning is solely because God wants you to have it because it's in his word. If the church giving goes down, I will be highly disappointed. I will tell you that. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, what you heard here is more important than what we take in this week and next week and the week after and the week after. You just need to align yourself with God's heart. And give to those things that are special to him. Because there is an expectation to give. I will tell you that. Over 900 times in the Bible, there was an expectation to give. So I don't know where you are. Maybe you're here this morning. And, and by the way, let me tell you this. Your greatest need, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Greatest need in the room. You don't worry about the tithing part. You don't worry about the giving part right now. It says they first gave themselves. And that's what we're asking you to do. Give yourselves to the Lord this morning. If you don't know him, we'd love to take God's word and show you how that be a reality in your life. Maybe you believe this is church home. God's called you to be a part of We welcome you also. We just ask you to do what God's calling you to do. Would you sing with us this morning? We'll be here at the front.